0: Big Finish, for the love of stories. You're listening to The Big Finish Podcast, release date Sunday, the 15th of January, 2023.
1: I think she has a great affection for the Brig, for everyone that she has, you know, been with as part of her life, but I really felt it needed a new slant. And what we also spoke about was that these larger than life characters, um, sometimes they're not on the side of the law. Sometimes you're quite attracted to people that you you really know. Are quite, I wanted an element of danger. Hello,
2: Nick and
0: Benji. Hi there, <laughs> I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. <laughs> this is Big
3: Finish audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, oh. all for the love of stories. I'm kind of jealous that you got to say hi there. Then, uh, oh. in a moment, Benji and I will be chatting about who knows what. Although we start with. Protect and survive Uh, Then after that in the good review guide Known to some as the good review guy uh, We're reviewing the reviews Of the smash hit 5th Doctor Adventure 41 Oh no What is it? An ice warrior Then we go
0: behind the scenes with this week's major release Out on Wednesday the 18th of January The 8th Doctor Adventures That's Paul McGann McGann, Time War Cass And an adventure entitled Meanwhile Elsewhere by one of our most cherished
3: and prolific writers, Tim Foley.
4: My name is Tim Foley, and I am the writer of Doctor Who, The Time War.
3: Following that, we once again delve with renewed vigour into listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Our also available slot this week comes to us courtesy of our dear
0: friends, the Sirens of Audio. Dwayne Bunny and Philip Pedney, uh, they've put together for us a behind the scenes segment on Comeback, the first Sarah Jane Smith release from Big Finish, back in July 2002. It features contributions from producer Gary Russell, plus actors Jez Fielder and Sadie Miller, along with brilliant archive interview material uh, featuring the late, great Elizabeth Sladen. Very exciting indeed. And he's
1: quite loud. And I like that.
3: Then the Randomoid Selectatron will be delivering yet another mystery release with a 25% discount neatly attached to it. As I speak, we don't know what it is. But when I put this podcast together, I promise faithfully uh, to enter a teasing clip right here. Must be a big spaceship. I mean, all these people.
0: And finally, as you've come to expect, we round up this podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's the 8th Doctor Adventures, Time War, Cass. Meanwhile, Elsewhere, by Tim Foley. Will your companion
5: be here soon? My companion? Please call him that to his face.
6: Glad you're enjoying yourself. Do you realise what's happening? The ship is collapsing in on itself and apparently snagging on a lot of random planets as it does so.
3: Protect and Survive was a public information campaign on civil defence. In, in the, the house, house. <laughs> <laughs> we know so in sync, so in sync. Uh, uh, produced by the British government between 1974 and 1980 it intended to advise the if I could read to advise uh, the public um, on how to protect themselves during a nuclear attack the campaign comprised a pamphlet, newspapers, advertisements, <laughs> newspaper advertisements uh, radio broadcasts and public information films. The series had originally been intended for distribution only in the event of dire national emergency, but provoked such intense public interest that the pamphlet was published in slightly amended form. I've just had Siri in my ear. I, I must have said something that sounded like, hey Siri.
7: Shut <coughs> up! <Stop! laughs>
0: would you, you, you like to burn a mattress to preserve yourself from nuclear Armageddon? Press enter now. I wish Siri it's... was voiced by
3: Patrick Allen. <laughs> yeah, that would um, be good, wouldn't it? This phone is brought to you by Barrett Holmes. <laughs> I was, I was, this was going to be so slick and i've messed it all up uh so yes the series was uh, had originally been intended for distribution only in the event of dire national emergency i think i said that but provoked such intense public interest that the pamphlet was published in slightly amended form in 1980 due to its controversial subject and nature of its publication the cultural impact of protect and survive was greater and longer lasting than most public information campaigns now last week we mentioned it randomly because it contains the phrase as we mentioned earlier in the house. <laughs> in the strident voiceover by voiceover legend Patrick Allen. I just want to draw attention to the fact that the way I've typed voiceover there, with a capital V and a capital O, but all one word, that's how pages auto-corrected it. I didn't type it like that. That's weird. Just why looks would you have weird. voiceover as one word, but with a capital O in the middle? Weird. Weird. Anyway, this week, Benji, I want to tell you, courtesy, of course, of our first Doctor actor, Stephen Noonan, uh, not to be confused with the legendary and entirely fictional 1970s actor Peter Nolan <laughs> the, the music for the Protect and Survive public information films was by do you know? Is it going to be Dudley Simpson
0: or is it going to be mm-hmm. um, is it going to be Paddy Kingsland? So close oh, uh, Roger Lim Yes Ah <sighs> I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that, getting it on the third go. Was it really? Wow. Yeah,
3: yeah. it's funny. Wow. That's, it. wow. That's it. But it's this bizarre music that has no emotional content, isn't it? it kind it's of so get, cold. Yeah. It's, it's sort of almost... It's like a chirpy robot telling you your life's over. <laughs> I mean, this
0: is, this is the thing about public information in generally, is It is so... I mean, obviously, it's meant to be as serious as you can possibly get, but mm. everything about it, everything about it, is horrible. It is horrible. Even things like um, the the bit that stands out in my mind, apart from the fact that all of it is horrible, is like the bit where it's describing nuclear fallout, mm. which is the sort of snow-like quality, yeah. and it has this hideous noise, which is like, and it's it, oh, it's, it is really nasty. It's a nasty bit of telly. Do you think nuclear fallout makes that noise? I'd love it if it did. Well, wouldn't I? I I mean I'd hope to never encounter it, but if it did, at least I'd be like, "Oh, it, that's it's not Roger Lim, it's actually that." <laughs> or maybe maybe that Roger Lim is there like he's the only mortal soul who just has to play all that on the keyboard forever. Um that's like a course, sort
3: of strange Monty Python thing like you have the guy, you know, playing <laughs> playing the piano on the beach and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's it's like um <laughs> it's like uh, the thing about public uh, protect and survive with this particular campaign is that it has been proven in later years to be a complete completely terrible guide and actually more a guide of how to not have any leftovers after the basically it's, it's how any to
3: leftovers
0: it, well sure. no it's it's basically how to burn alive is what, what it actually is oh is it's, it yeah, pretty much. Put yourself on a bonfire. Well, if, 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 there's, if, this, if there's a massive, huge fireball, hiding underneath a mattress is just going to set you on fire. It's not going to it isn't going to protect you, is it? You know, let's I'm just gonna go and hide under a flammable material. That's that's what they are telling you to do, you know. But Burn and Cook wasn't
3: quite such a catchy title.
0: <laughs> burn and Cook with me. Five recipes of how to burn your relatives. Um by Patrick Allen, sponsored by Barrett Holmes. Um but it's but it's you know but uh, but it's a fan, it's a fascinating piece of terrifying
3: I mean, in America, they had duck and cover, didn't they? If a nuclear bomb went off, you just duck and cover. I mean, you're going to be saved from a nuclear blast—the most powerful kind of explosion in existence.
0: I mean, I, I suppose it's it's to reassure you, isn't it? It's just, just lies, say, isn't it? It's, it's what, to say what well, you're, saying. you you could be all right, like just yeah, you know, yeah. just get, as long as you 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 know, you go and get a couple of tins of beans and you know, cut put a mattress in front of the windows, you'll be fine. Well, that, from this that fine fireball. BBC
3: drama threads possibly the most depressing thing ever committed to film um, is uh, they show people trying to do the protect and survive thing, don't they? And, and it just it doesn't go well, does it? Really,
0: <laughs> there was an even better one that really st- stood by me, and it was it was a BBC, I think it was BBC, and it was called um, Nuclear Armageddon Nuclear War: A Guide to Armageddon, I think it was called, oh. and it was.
3: Sounds and it was a, it
0: was really interesting. It was a, more of a uh, an instructional documentary than a drama, um, but that had some really interesting examples of things. Like they said, you know, if the windows smash, they put like a a, uh, a pumpkin in front of the window. Mm. Then used the force of of the blast on the pumpkin, then said, "This is what your face would look like if if it has been pelted with glass from the window." But my favorite thing out of this, and this is why I mention it, because it, although it's utterly depressing, um, they do they do an experiment with a modern couple, a modern couple which is a man with a moustache, um, to see how if they can last the full amount of time inside a nuclear shelter in their garden.
3: Oh right,
0: yeah. and it's my my favorite thing. They say you know. This is their living area, which is a bed. They're surrounded by tins of food, and then there's a bucket for their toilet. But my favourite thing is, they still proceeded to smoke in there. <laughs> it's like what the most 70s thing. Um, let's find out. But I think It must have been the 80s, obviously, but it was uh, a guide to Armageddon. Um, QED, a guide to Armageddon, it's called. Oh,
3: QED is a documentary strand on the BBC, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it's... Oh, does it say what year it is? It, I remember it has the thing at the end that says, um says, what will be, it's something along the lines of, what will be left over? Will anything be left over? And it just has a picture of like, and then it just goes into a choral, horrible choral choir song with pictures of just like buses on fire and trains crashed. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. But it is on YouTube. So if anybody wants to just, cry um you're welcome to find
3: it uh, i ought to mention that there was a, uh, a big finish doctor who release back in 2012 written yes, by jonathan was. morris called protect and survive and uh, and here's the trailer for it now coming soon from big finish productions doctor who protect and survive air attack
7: warning go to your fallout room or take shelter do not panic stay calm This is not a test.
8: Ace, they've only got to start at World War III.
9: Four missiles targeted on military targets within the United Kingdom.
8: Albert, cup of tea. Love. What's that?
10: We're on Earth. That's something to be grateful for. Come on, let's get some fresh air.
7: After a nuclear explosion, there will be a cloud of deadly dust called Fallout.
10: Doors bolted!
7: Albert! It's all right, love. I'm here beside you. Here he comes! The radiation from this dust cannot be seen or smelt, but exposure to it can cause sickness and even death.
11: So the Doctor's behind it all.
2: What do you mean? Well, who died and put him in charge? You cannot leave us, Doctor. You cannot!
7: Enemy
9: missile attack incoming.
7: Have you no mercy, no compassion, no pity?
9: I suggest you take cover.
3: Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com
0: See, all links in place, doesn't it? All links. Very cheery. Well, <laughs> that was so it. Just paint it that's in the young ones, isn't it? And What are you doing? What are you doing, Neil? I'm painting myself white to deflect the blast. <laughs> 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 oh dear but anyway yeah, sorry if we scared anybody um Boo! oh sorry I think I think that we've we've probably got slight, slightly better guides now than the 1982 QED guide to Armageddon documentary where you smoke well, no, smoke can't in a shelter be a guide,
3: can there it just can't be. <laughs>
0: Make sure you've brought some cigarettes down. You might need them for spending nine years in a cell. Um, Anyway, time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them.
5: But you?
3: And as promised, this week we're looking at the Fifth Doctor Adventures 41. From Big Finish Productions... Doctor Who, The Fifth Doctor Adventures, 40, Secrets of Telos, and God of War. Honestly, all of you, there's no need to worry. I'm absolutely fine. Where's
7: Edric? Edric?
3: There is no space for weakness. Oh no.
1: What is it?
7: An ice warrior. You will not interfere! But tell us, after all the discussions we had. You belong to us!
10: He bears Tears mark. Fenrir's bite! There are many ways to lose a hand.
7: There had to be something hostile here. Otherwise, why drag me along
9: my timeline?
6: I am armed and fully functional.
2: Cybermen? Aren't they the things the Professor dug up on that rock?
3: Mars is dead. You speak lies. It is not possible.
0: Cybermen,
3: Dozens of them! My warriors, destroy these primitives.
7: I'll break out the
0: weapons.
6: We're going on a bug hunt. You will be like us, or oh, you will be destroyed.
7: One step, doctor and she
6: dies. All humans will be
9: converted.
2: Don't you know, Parry? The doctor is an alien. A Gallifreyan.
9: You side with these humans. You have created a weapon to save them.
8: Doctor, Adric died.
9: Doctor?
3: Adric? Hedrick, you're back. Back? I haven't been anywhere. Big Finish. We love stories.
0: Just go to bigfinish.com and type 41 into the search pane at the top to find this one well first up this is my this always makes me happy whenever I see glamadelaide.com.au reviewing something I just always imagine like a glamour magazine that somehow inexplicably reviews Doctor Who at the same time you know it's like check out this mascara from Mac oh and by the way uh, have you checked out 41 starring Peter Davison um but this is uh, from Rodney Havatin, uh, says here, uh, a celebration of the Peter Davison era of Doctor Who that pulls no punches and keeps the listener enthralled. And it's an unbelievable 4.5 out of 5. Where's that 0.5 come from? I I think people need to start breaking this down when they do the, the point system, because I don't under- I don't understand... Like, what yeah, well, the...
3: I was going to say, what's your review of that last review, Benji? I've given and it. That's, that's I, love, I love you,
0: Rodney, but next time say, it's the reason we have deducted 0.5 is because they say that Peter Davison is actually wearing a carrot instead of a piece of celery.
5: And so they <laughs> need to
0: fix that. That is totally acceptable.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's worth a point 0.5 being deducted. Um next up, uh, we made this network.com TD Velasquez says 41 is a recommendable box set with two enjoyable stories and bodes well for future releases in this run. It looks like 40 will be an effective anthology of the different stars and companion groups of the Fifth Doctor's era. But the interesting central mystery and the fresh character twists wrung from it oh, suggest it will be much more besides. Now, this box set in particular shows that while they could often be an unwieldy ensemble on screen, the Doctor, Adric, Nyssa, and Tegan together are, with more consistent writing and unfailingly energized actors, among Big Finish's most charming TARDIS teams. I, that's a lovely review, isn't it? Nice very well one.
0: very well written, I liked it. Hmm. BigBluePodcast.co.uk Jordan Shortman Not to be confused with Julian Shortman Who sent Nick some stout the other week Good old Julian, big up <laughs> Big up the Shortmans um, 40 Volume 1 Was a great way to kick off the anniversary Of The Ooh. Fifth Doctor Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. As standalone (laughs) stories, they work and are very enjoyable, but they are excellent with the time displacement aspects of them. Uh, Something I'm looking forward to, presumably being revealed in the next set. With the Autons revealed to be one of the monsters in the next set as well, as some of the returning characters, including the Brigadier and Turlo, it should be a great celebratory
4: epic.
3: Oh, it definitely was. On Twitterama, at Telos32, hashtag DoctorWho41 by uh, Matt Fitton and Sarah Grachala. Something odd is happening to the Doctor. He's suddenly in a different part of his own timeline inhabiting his future self. Very good set celebrating 40 years of the fifth Doctor. Andrew on Sea Air uh, says
0: 41 (laughs) is a magnificent box set to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Fifth Doctor. Such a magnificent way for Peter Davison to meet the Cybermen and Ice Warriors in different parts of his timeline. Mm. And Dominic JGM uh, is interlude is also a brilliant
3: bonus. Oh, yes, nice work from Dom there. And that's it from the Good Review Guy this week. Nice guy. (laughs) Next time, we'll be talking about the Doctor Who audio novel Watchers, written and read by Matthew Waterhouse.
7: Genius.
3: Still to
0: come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Our retrospective feature on Sarah Jane Smith comeback, courtesy of the sirens of audio, plus the Randomoid Selectatron, as random as ever, giving you a 25% discount on a delightful audio adventure.
3: But first, it's out this week on Wednesday the 18th of January. Write that down. So let's delve behind the scenes with The Eighth Doctor, Time War, Cass. Meanwhile, Elsewhere, by Tim Foley.
5: Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of The Eighth Doctor, Time War, Cass.
3: I'm
10: sorry to, I don't know, seem insubordinate.
7: On your very first day, lest we forget.
10: But I trust this man, this something about him.
6: Thank you. Something about you too comes about.
5: Well, this box set came about because of two things. One, I had already got planned in my mind, and one which came as complete surprise out of the blue. The thing that was a surprise is Racky Thacker's agent got in contact with me and said that um, Racky had become so booked up with so many projects going on, lots of filming... And no surprises because she's brilliant and we love her. She wasn't able to return to the role of Bliss. I mean, she loved doing it. We had all these plans, but she's you know she's hugely successful and she's got lots going on, um, and we just couldn't make it work. I mean, we looked at it and it just logistically it wasn't going to work out. So hopefully there might be more Bliss in the future, but for the time being, with Raki's schedule, we just couldn't make it happen. But having said that, I already had plans, and it was probably clear, actually, from volume four of the Time War, well, that um, we were already sort of nudging towards new people coming into the series anyway. So we had our plans to bring in the Doctor's great-grandson, Alex, who was hinted at at the very end of the last box set, and Alex is now on board. And I'd already planned to bring in Emma Campbell-Jones' Cass, partly because we loved the character. Everybody loves Night of the Doctor. It was such an exciting few minutes that has edged itself on our memories. It was a no-brainer. My name is Tim Foley, and I am the
4: writer of Doctor Who, The Time War. Meanwhile, elsewhere.
10: Permission to speak frankly, sir? What the hell is going on?
4: Not a
7: clue, but I've just been getting some very weird reports across the ship. <laughs>
4: So, I've been wanting to write a Doctor Who Time War story for quite a while. My very first big finish was a Gallifrey Time War, one of my first. It was called Soldier Obscura. It had Ace and Brax and creepy, creepy Daleks. And it was a really fun playground to be in. I think there's so much possibility with the Time War i'm especially excited with the idea of a doctor who is skirting around the edge of it trying to avoid it but we know is destined to fall in he's a bit like one of those two peas in one of them swirly machines that you get in supermarkets so yeah i was really excited to be asked and really excited to be asked to launch the soft reboot with a difference i guess you'd put it um introducing cass onto the show and leaving a trail of breadcrumbs of, of mysteries about what's happened with Bliss and Alex so far. I'm Ken
5: Bentley and I'm the director.
6: This is the TARDIS. Stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. It'll take us anywhere and any when. Us. I see your bag's all packed. I didn't think you were giving me much of a choice.
5: Having come back to it after a bit of a break, it's it's sort of all changed, which is in the context of the Time War, of course perfectly fine and you you discover sort of clues are are planted throughout this box set as to what the previous situation was and the fact that it's changed and and therefore the what what we know moving on is that we're going to try and explore and discover what actually happened but it's, it's just sort of on the face of it all changed very suddenly which is um Hugely exciting, but it also gives us the opportunity to explore stories with a whole new load of characters, which is quite good fun. And um, we've sort of hit the ground running with this lot like, Again, in that Time War sense, there's no sort of build up to this. I know these characters have existed in the Doctor's life before, but we just sort of, we kind of hit the ground running with them in this, this box set.
6: I'm Paul McGann, I'm the Eighth Doctor. Weird visions, glimpses of other landscapes, other worlds. Is that what's happening? Have you had them too? They're not visions. They're real places. Your ship is being diced through reality. And just this once, it's nothing to do with me. Good fun. Some of it was really complicated and scientific. Um, but I suppose it's not, no bad thing, is it? That works as well. So sometimes it took two or three goes,
4: you know, for us to sort of nail it. But anyway, it worked. You've got to keep things simple at first and then build upon the layers. So... Yes, there are all these different locations, lots of sort of looping back on itself. But at the heart of it, this is a story about Cass. This is Cass getting on board her first spaceship. She's got her first commission. She's getting out there and she's just having to improvise and go with the flow and be brilliant, basically. So yeah, she gets to team up with Alex. Lots of fun relationship there. It, it's quite a nice dynamic as well between her and the doctor. You know, this is a doctor who doesn't necessarily want to take on new people, but there's something about Cass and he's sensing that 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 hole that's left by bliss. So that was really fun as well to play.
10: Hello, I'm Emma Campbell Jones, and I play Cass Famazzi. I'm Famazzi. Cass, first grade, first day, first time in the forest on the ship. What ship? It feels almost like falling forward, you know, through it. I feel like she's sort of on the edge of a precipice, <laughs> falling forward through the story, like, <gasps> you know, and kind of learning all these things as she goes and quick thinking and all of this. And it's it's just um, it's a great start for her to then dive into the rest of the of the journey.
0: I did the sound on that. I did. Did you? I I did. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. nice. Yeah, you check it out, honestly. Just go to bigfinish.com, right? Type CAS into the search pane at the top. Cas. Remember, it's released this week on Wednesday the 18th of Jan, so don't miss out. Don't miss yeah. out. Don't.
3: Don't. don't Meanwhile, don't do it. it's time for listeners' emails.
0: And you don't want to miss out on emails anyway. In fact, don't miss out. In sending one over Just send it to Podcast at bigfinish.com Send it over Otherwise I will Send you A cassette Telling you to put a mattress In front of your door In case of (laughs) nuclear blast In the Um, house uh, (laughs) In the house Uh, So first up We've got this one From Philip Edney Subject to this one Is Stephen Greif Dear Nick and Benji Um, It was great sadness that I heard the news that Stephen Greif had passed away just before Christmas. He was a brilliant actor with such a rich voice and a really lovely man as well. Dwayne and I were privileged enough to spend a few hours in his presence recording a special episode of The Sirens of Audio. It was one of the most prepared episodes we have ever done because Stephen had decided that this would be a memoir to the world, be his memoir to the world, and he wanted it done in a very particular way. After hearing his stories, the people he had met, his training under Sir Lawrence Olivier, we encouraged him to write a book. But he was so humble that he felt no one would want to hear his story. We chatted for hours about a huge range of topics from his latest microphone purchase to the name dropping about the good and not so good actors. Uh, We Mm -hmm. hope to do a special release of some of his material, though some will have to remain private. For it's a bit too saucy (laughs) Today I listened to Sedition By Jonathan Morris On Allies and Enemies I don't know if it's his final work But it is once again A fitting tribute And taking Travis even more Into the direction that Stephen wanted to go He loved working with Sally Navette And they have some great scenes together To his friends and family For those of you at Big Finish Who were close to him You have my condolences Another great one has departed from us. Take care, Philip Edney.
3: Oh, thank you for writing in, Philip. With that, that's great. And um, I I met uh, Stephen and did a MythMakers interview with him years ago, and we had a lovely day together. He's such a—he was such an easygoing guy, you know. And and really smart and had lots of interesting things to say. I also directed him a couple of times. Oh. Really. Yeah. He had a real um presence about him, kind of like he was a real you could tell those masses of experience in him, you know, he really knew what he was doing. Brilliant. He always
0: seemed like a cool cat.
3: Yeah. Great voice as well. Superb for audio. Next up, uh Julian and Elizabeth Shortman. Uh I think Julian is the writer though. Uh, uh doctor who and the hairy Bogies, <laughs> excellent uh, which uh, uh benji mentioned last week certainly did <laughs> for reasons certainly best did. known to himself uh dear nick and benji hi there hi, hi there, there. Uh, uh by the way julian is also the person who sent me the stout um i, I did ask for some pickled onions julian where are they uh, i hope this email <laughs> do finds my tesco you shopping <laughs> find you both well and that nick had an opportunity over christmas to enjoy his stout certainly did thank you enjoying your latest podcast my molecules were well and truly tickled by the notion of doctor who and the hairy bogies <sighs> having just discovered chat gpt i decided to see what it might make of this cracking idea for a new season 8 story Within mere seconds, ChatGTP created a synopsis. It's an AI. Appreciating the fact that you'll uh, not have time for or desire to read the whole synopsis, here is a short (laughs) excerpt as an example of what it produced. Now, did I mention this before to you? I tried uh, getting it to write a synopsis for a Doctor Who story. But anyway, here we go. Um, These devices, my dear brigadier, are called hairy bogeys, (laughs) the master explained with a wicked smile. They're the latest fashion trend in the galaxy. Humans will pay a small fortune for the opportunity to have a hairy bogey of their own. But what do they do? Joe asked, her curiosity getting the better of her. Ah, that's the best part, the master said, his eyes gleaming. When activated, the hairy bogeys crawl up the wearer's nose and burrow into their brain, killing them instantly. <laughs> The Doctor and his companions stared at the Master in horror. You can't be serious, the Brigadier said, his voice filled with disgust. Oh, but I am! (laughs) The Master replied, his laughter echoing through the room. And with the hairy bogeys under my control, I'll be able to rule the galaxy! (laughs) Uh, It didn't quite manage to complete story in one thousand words, but uh, given a prompt... It promptly did. I was gobsmacked, but also uh, a little terrified at what's been unleashed on the world. How long will it be, John Dorney, he says in brackets, before an AI writes a canon Doctor Who story? Best wishes. Julian, in brackets, Stoutman. Hey, he's a Stoutman. Uh, P.S., if you're curious to read the whole synopsis chat GTP created, I've attached it as a PDF. Yeah, I asked it to write... um, uh, a season seven story. I said that that had to involve the environment, and um, what else was it? A government conspiracy. What did and it come it, up with? It created a synopsis called um, "Revenge of the Silurians." <laughs> wow. Okay. And it was it was fair, it it wasn't quite good enough. It has to be said. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry, I saying that. You're, We're you're not quite good enough. <laughs> but it had obviously looked up what season seven of Doctor Who involved, you know, and it tried to. The you know, future Found the Silurians, you see. The future I, I really is it terrifying. Could have been
0: Revenge of the Spearheads, which sounds quite good actually, in a weird sort of way. <laughs> Ridiculous, but I quite like it.
3: Yeah. Anyway, lovely email. Thank you, Julian. Well, Justin waiting Bush the, has got one here. Says, for the
0: pickled onions. Sorry. <laughs> Um, Subject is comic suggestions from Justin Bush. Uh, Hi there, Nick and Benji. Hi there. there. I was delighted to hear you ask for suggestions for comic adaptations because, of course, I'll pounce on any opportunity to mention the icon that is Frobisher. Um, (coughs) Through my copious Frobisher fan art and voice impressions I posted on Twitter, I've come to learn I'm far from the only Wifferdill devotee The long-standing love for Holy Terror alone begs for his return. Now, whilst any Frobisher tale would be a treat, if I could pick any particular, it would absolutely be The Age of Chaos, written by Colin Baker himself. Um, It feels especially on point since Perry and the Piscan Paradox already touched on Perry's wibbly-wobbly destinies. Um, Pardon? I said painful, sorry. Ah, yes. (laughs) So having a story that explores her potential lineage uh, would be fascinating to hear. Um, I think an originally Conin penned law building Frobisher featuring comic adaptation would slot nicely amidst the 60 Renaissance we've been enjoying. So what say you? Shall we start a penguin petition? Sincerely Justin, absolutely not Frobisher shape-shifting trying to promote to get a job? Bush, Justin B. Quinnick on uh, the Twitter sphere sent from my iPhone.
3: Oh, your iPhone. Yeah, Sorry, I don't, I, don't I, I, have I don't have one. i d- during that because uh, my cat Bamboo is considering coming through the window, but she's she's uh, uh, she's not interested. Okay. I'm closing the window. And that was a window into my life. Well, thank you for that, Justin. Um, I, maybe you are actually a Wifferdil, mm, and, and you're not, in fact, Justin. Are you Justin Bush or Justin B. Quinnick? <laughs>
0: this is it we will never know Something, something's brewing here
3: a few more uh, uh, suggestions for comic strip adaptations have come in well, absolutely bear all this in mind so please do keep your suggestions coming that's it for this week's emails a particularly lovely crop I thought mm, yeah, yeah. yes yes please do keep them coming in brilliant stuff
0: The Randomoid Selectatron is firing up as we speak, readying itself to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Unbelievable value. We'll also be teasing you
3: with the first 15 minutes of the Eighth Doctor Time War cast. But before all that, it's time for a very special delving behind the scenes. Last week, someone wrote in to ask us about behind the scenes extras on Big Finish releases that didn't originally have them. So our friends at the Sirens of Audio podcast google them immediately uh, got in touch to offer their services so after a jolly good email conversation with audio siren uh, Philip Edney, what follows is the work of his co-collaborator and former BF podcast guest, Dwayne Bunny it's a look at our first Sarah Jane Smith adventure back in 2002, comeback and more generally about the first series enjoy
1: well Lavinia i hope you liked your day in the limelight i think you'd have hated it actually all those people going on about how wonderful how successful how much a pillar of society you were
3: sarah jane smith
1: first i lose the house in denham then the flat in chalk farm and now this one One day, I just may get to unpack.
9: I know you're a famous investigative reporter.
1: Yeah, well, I used to be. Um, Let's just say the investigating reporter racket's been falling off a bit recently. St. Clotilde's Well.
7: There, I must correct you. The correct title is Old Clute's Well. Old Clute, as I'm sure you know, is another name for the devil. It was always a place of power. The Christian church took it over, as it did so many pagan places and festivals. But the power was still there, biding its time. This is Harris. I have a job for Mr. Shakravati.
1: Come on, you. I think it might be safer to take public transport. But
8: what about your car?
1: Welcome to my world, Mr. Townsend.
2: I
8: think I shall be asking some important questions of your representative tomorrow. You really
3: shouldn't do that, vicar. Are you threatening me? Yes, I rather think I am.
7: Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Harris.
2: How is Miss Smith in mourning? Nothing compared to how she'll be tomorrow morning.
8: My name is Gary Russell. We'd worked with Liz right at the very beginning on the Bennys. She had come in and done walking to Babylon. And I think in conversations with her, she was like, well, what are you, because we, did we have the Doctor Who license? I think we had just had our first meeting with the BBC about possibly getting the Doctor Who license. It was around that time. And so it obviously was something we were talking about. And she must have said, you know, oh, well, I don't think I'd ever want to play Sarah Jane again. I like playing the parts I'm playing in Babylon, but oh, I wouldn't want to play Sarah Jane again. Kind of red rag to a bull for me. Uh, so that, yeah, three or four years later, I'm saying to Jason I want to do Sarah Jane. Um, and I think Jason was like, "Well, Liz said you, and I said, oh, don't, you leave Liz to me. So I, I phoned her up one day, out of the blue, and said, right, madam, you said you didn't want to play Sarah Jane. However, rather than team you up with a doctor and have you playing, you know, second fiddle, as you have done many times in the past, and I promise there won't be a tin dog, how do you fancy the idea of a four-part Sarah Jane series? Out on her own in the world, being an investigative journalist, but doing sort of spooky x filesy kind of things. And she said, no, straight away. And I went, go on, no, go on. Then I think after about 10 minutes of go on, no, go on, no, it turned into, right, we'll have a coffee.
1: We decided with the Sarah Jane character that She would see it as a mistake if every time, you know, she needed help or anything in her life, she would go running back to unit. I felt then she hadn't progressed. You can't go down the same line. I think she has a great affection for the brig, for everyone that she has, you know, been with as part of her life, but I really felt it needed a new slant. And what we also spoke about was that these larger-than-life characters, um, sometimes they're not on the side of the law. Sometimes you're quite attracted to people that you, you really know are quite I wanted an element of danger. Now it's not that he is he's a good man, I think, Josh. but I do think that he walks on the edge and I think that is quite um, I think she would lend herself to that. He brings with him contacts and she's very reluctant to actually incorporate him at first, but it works, it works very well.
8: Liz was always incredibly protective of Sarah Jane. She, she just lived and breathed the character. She knew the character backwards. So she knew what Sarah Jane would and wouldn't do in given situations. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, there's no point in asking you to come and do this series and then giving you stuff you don't want to do. So obviously everything you're talking about will factor in. I think there are a couple of things I pushed back on and said I don't think actually that's the direction I'd want to take Sarah, I want to take it more in the spooky, supernaturally kind of thing, but with a scientific basis. And so we compromised in the middle on there. And she had no major demands or anything, there was no sort of my dressing room must have Red Smarties in it or anything like that. She did say, would there be a chance of having a walk-on part, as you do on audio, for Sadie? And I'd know, I knew, I've known Sadie since she was a bump in Lizzie's tummy. So that was, you know, I was like, yeah, of course I knew Sadie was doing acting at that point. And actually I created a main character for her.
11: Hi, this is Sadie Miller. Um, I think they obviously approached mum first and then she signed on for it. And then there was going to be this character, Natalie, um, and my mum said, oh, well, you know, why don't, why don't we have, have Sadie try, try and do that? So um, I think it was mum really that signed me on for that, um, which was, great you know to get to do something like that with her as well you know rather than just um, being on the sidelines watching her do it to actually get to work with her as well was really special um, but I think if mum hadn't have said that it was okay I think they probably wouldn't have a uh, big finish wouldn't have wanted me to do it I think it was down to mum really I think I was maybe in my last year of high school possibly like 17 18 possibly I think 2002 okay so 2002 about yeah about 17 and then 2006 I guess um a few years older than that so young young youngish I guess yeah
9: um Jeremy James well well um there's a name I haven't heard for a very long time no it's um it's actually my my name is my name is Jeremy James Fielder um and foolishly or otherwise when I when I started acting I (laughs) on the advice of no one other than myself I said oh I should have a stage name and I don't know what decade I thought I was in um but it wasn't the one I was in and I thought oh no I'll I'll be I'll call myself it was no great isn't with Nail and I doesn't doesn't Richard Grant say what do you think I think I'm calling myself Donald Twain. and it was a bit like that and then I was chatting away with some some friends and they were like well you could just call yourself you know Jeremy and I, I actually really hate the name Jeremy. I've always hated it, so I became Jez at a very very young age, and then my, my parents don't call me Jeremy, but Jeremy James sounded to me to have the sort of requisite gravitas <laughs> or, or ludicrousness that was was uh, called for in this circumstance, and I just went with it. And then the first I think um, I think I was I was down as Jez Fielder for the first the first ever big finish I did, and then it was after that. There was Jez Fielder when I did the f- so the second ever big finish was called Phantasmagoria. and it was written by um, Mark Gatiss and it's the first it was the first acting job I I, I ever had in my life um, and I'd I'd met Nick Briggs at, uh, in a pub you'll be unsurprised to hear in in Hastings I was playing in a band um, singing and playing the electric guitar and after the gig. Nick Briggs, who I'd never met before in my life, just introduced himself. I said, hello, my name's Nick and I'm a producer. Um, I'd like you to do some work for me. Would you be interested? And of course, I've just come off stage singing and playing the guitar, haven't I? So when someone says I'm a producer, you expect them to be a music producer. <laughs> so that's what I thought he was. And I said, oh, oh right. Yeah, um, of course, let's, I mean, let's, we can have a chat. What, do you, what, what is it you need? Do you need, um, you need session? Do you need vocals, guitar, what? He went, Oh, no, of course you think that. No, 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 no. Um, sorry, let's start again. Um, I'm um, Nicholas Briggs and I'm an audio uh, drama producer. And I really liked your, your voice in between songs. So that's basically he'd enjoyed the banter with the audience between. It wasn't anything to do with my music. <laughs> no, said so no, I've been vaguely insulted, but no, he it was, it was really nice. And we, had a, we had a beer and had a chat and he said, look, it's it's Doctor Who. And I was, oh, well, if it's OK, then sold. Whatever it is, I don't care. And he goes, oh, are you a fan of the show? I said, well, I'm not. The guy that I was playing in a band with, his name's John Ewan, and he's brilliant, brilliant, one of the best drummers of his generation. And he's a proper, proper hoovian like right? He's got that, he's got the bookshelf, he's got the kind of TARDIS bookshelf, and opens up and, you know, all the videos are in there, and it's, he's got all that, he knows everything about it, and he quotes it. And I just, I just kind of liked it and watched it with, um, with Tom Baker and Peter Davison. When I was a kid, so but I was a but I was a really big fan of Tom Baker, um, and kind of followed him his career and everything he did after, after Doctor Who as well because I just thought he was mesmerising.
1: <laughs> it's weird, but I I think he looks quite like Pertwee, <laughs> Pertwee was younger. I don't know how he would take that. And I, actually, I told him, and I think he's incorporating it into the character now. I, I mustn't say it too much. Um, well, I suppose really, I am now taking on a role that he is now. <laughs> He hasn't exactly got the Sarah lines because he wouldn't stand for it. But it's great. I mean, I mean we have a lovely relationship. It, it's, it's, it's so nice if it happens immediately, you know. And it took very little time. I mean, he's very funny. He makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. And he's quite loud. Yes. And I like that. <laughs> Why do we employ him? It's, it's disrespectful, <laughs> it's just
9: isn't it? Total. I've never, yeah. It's not disrespect, yeah. it's erotic compulsion. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree with that, Liz?
3: I did hear it Just say yes. Just say
9: yes. Um, yeah. She does. She, she's mad about me. Gary Russell took me out onto the balcony of a party and I can't remember whose party it was. He said, no, no, we need to, I need to talk to you properly. We went up to this balcony and it was quiet out there and he said, how do you feel about being a companion? And I said, what to a you mean to a doctor? No, 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 to a to a doctor's companion in a special we're going to do. I said, stop being cryptic. What is? What are you talking about? He said, well, I don't know how much you know about Doctor Who, and he said, do you know who Sarah Jane Smith is? I said, yes, I do. I said, well, this is this is all very hush hush. I don't know why it was. We're going to write a series with Sarah Jane Smith as the as the main character, and we'd like you to be her her companion, a psychic. I don't know. Is that something you'd be interested in? They would... Yes, I'll do that! Brilliant! He says, have you ever met Liz? No, never met Liz. Okay, well, we'll make sure you two meet at some point, but um, basically, um, I need to ask you some just a few things about about your life. I was like, "Why do you want to know about my life? What's that got to do with it? He said, well, because we're kind of basing him on you. I was like, oh, mm, really? Is he an international rock star? Said, no, no, he isn't, and nor are you, so shut up. <laughs> I think so Josh went to university in Glasgow and so did I and there's kind of there's a few parallels and the the, the timeline's quite similar I I I should put on record the, I haven't been to a young offenders institution <laughs> certainly it was it was very flattering actually drinks ladies
12: thanks oh yeah. you must be Josh
9: yeah you must be the planet three super spy Sarah's tell me what you do for her
12: Can I get a credit card? Joshua Richard Townsend, age 24. Parents hoteliers run a ski resort near the Alps. Loaded. You, on the other hand, are the delinquent only child, fending for yourself and refusing their help. Oh, how brave. (laughs) (laughs) After wasting your time with various fringe loonies, you spent eight months in Feltham. No, that was fun. After various spells at McDonald's, Waterstones (gasps) and a printing press, you were working as a glorified tea boy for a builder's merchants until yesterday lunchtime. (laughs) They gave him three mobile phones over the last five weeks. He lost them all. Ugh. Security isn't a strong point. Oh, talking of which, I need a new one to put my SIM card into. Those nice oh. bank raiders wreck the other one. Oh, I'll get one sorted. I'll set up the account so it can't be traced back to you. But it'll take a day or two. You'll have to rely on muggins here. I take it you own a mobile?
9: Yeah, yep. Excuse me. Can one of you explain how you know all my details, my past?
12: And That's my job. Protecting her from chances and backstabbers. <sighs> here, jailboy, have a credit card then.
9: Actually, I should tell you this story. <laughs> so a few weeks a m- couple of months pass and there's a there's a big Finnish party they used to happen quite regularly but um, Gary was there and he said oh great you're here Liz is here said, well you have got to meet and and le- I'm going to find her you come with me we'll find Liz so we found Liz and um, said, Liz Laden, this is Jez Fielder it's going to be your companion oh hello I've heard too much about you I said hello Liz I just, and this strike this this she just looked the same as she did in doctor who it was really odd it was like the striking woman and i just thought that well, other than obviously thinking she was gorgeous i was just really pleased to meet her and then we just started chatting away and gary was sort of oh he had a look on his face like oh god i thought, I thought he was going to say something awful and he hasn't i'm really pleased that kind of relieved face but i didn't let him down after that because uh, i said um uh, she asked me what I'd have, whether I'd seen Doctor Who and you know know anything about the character. I said, yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of the stuff with. Uh, well, I've seen, I haven't seen much of much of the stuff with John. I saw a lot of the stuff with Tom Baker. She said, okay, so you kind of you're you're conversant with with the character. I said, oh yeah, absolutely. I said, and um, I saw Canine and Company. I saw that pilot episode. Well, it gets worse. It's uh, entirely my fault as well. And actually, this is a great barometer for for Liz. So. So I said, yeah, I saw K9 and Company, and I could get her to audibly hear Gary go, Ooh. And she goes, oh, yes. What did you think of that, then? And I said, oh, no, I thought it was. he came across really well. She said, really? I went, no. <laughs> and Gary went, oh, God. And Liz, and Liz started laughing. And then Gary's like, oh, she's laughing. Oh, she thinks it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts laughing as well, out of, out of sheer relief. And um, and at that moment, I was like, me and her are going to get on just fine.
7: Good afternoon. Good
8: afternoon, Harris. How is Miss Smith? In morning.
2: Nothing compared to how she'll be tomorrow morning. Shall we go? These tedious little Cotswold villagers are like something out of Enid Blyton. Back
8: to London, then.
2: Yes, Harris. Back to London and the beginning of the end for Sarah James Smith.
8: And the whole thing about Hilda coming in, she was originally only ever going to be in the last story. And it was only once I had talked to Patricia Maynard and she'd said yes, and I said to Liz, Pat has said yes that I thought, I'm wasting this, aren't I? I'm wasting this brilliant actress and this brilliant character by only pulling her in at the very end and going, ha ha, I'm actually the person who's behind all the misfortunes you've gone through. So suddenly I wanted to put her into two other stories. So I put her in the very first story and I put her in one of the other stories just to have one or two lines. And then, yeah, this is the marketing manic side of me. I also realized I could have two covers, that we could put out a cover, You know, because Liz is the, is the cover star of all of those first four stories. And then the fifth one, she shares it with Miss Winters, but it enables us to put a cover out that looked the same as the others without Miss Winters on, so that people would not know until the moment it turned up in the door on, on their doorstep that there's Miss Winters on the front cover because she'd been revealed at the very end of, of the previous episode. And Liz bought into that completely, but that's because it was Patricia. I think if I'd said any other villain from Doctor Who, she'd have been, a bit oh, what's the point? As indeed would I, because I do think Miss Winters is the only one you could bring back. But because it was Patricia Maynard, she was just so excited to work. They hadn't seen each other since since Robot. And and it was a lovely reunion the day that Pat came in and, and did all her stuff for the various stories. Terence probably wasn't that as familiar with audio as I thought, and he did have some very sort of florid moments and also some bits where you went, yeah, but the audience won't know what's going on. So I did a bit of tweaking on his one. And one of the things I ended up doing was I wrote, nothing. that it wasn't a rewrite of Terence at all. I wrote the opening scene of the whole series, which is the funeral of Lavinia. And that is 100% all me. And Liz, we recorded that separately. We, we did that. I, can't, I think that might almost be the very last thing we recorded of the whole show. And Liz loved it. And that really cemented or repaired any fractious relationship we'd had during the making of the show, um, because she thought it was just the most beautiful speech she'd ever had to give. And she was really grateful. And the fact that I said, this is going to be the opening of the whole series, and uh, she she loved that.
1: I'm going to miss you, you know, all those adventures together we never actually had. But you listened to me going on 19 to the Dozen, so you must have felt you knew as much as I did about my work. I'm going to miss you so much. Oh, your solicitor tipped me the wink about your will. Thank you, it's very nice. Quite what I'm going to do with the house, market garden and the royalties on your patents. I'm not quite sure. But I promise to be at least slightly frivolous, as you insisted so much last Christmas. Well, I must be getting back to the house now. The locals are gathering for the party. and Apparently, Juno Baker says we're not to call it awake because you don't believe in such things. I'm glad she's around. I think she was very fond of you. I love you. I love you.
8: This is the the tragedy, really, that is, is Liz's career. It's that she was an absolutely fantastic actress. She's incapable of giving a bad performance. She's an actress who acts the whole time. If you look at all her Doctor Who's, you know, one of the things that, there's a reason why she's a really popular companion and why kids adored her at the time. And it's because she acted. So if the Doctor's talking to Salomar or the Doctor's talking to Lynx or the Doctor's talking to uh, Harrison Chase, And Liz is in the scene and has no lines of dialogue you're actually still watching Liz Slayton because she's acting the whole time and and it's nothing big and showy and she's not drawing you she's just behaving as somebody would in any given situation which is what makes her such a good actress and she's an instinctive actress uh, which is why I think she's very possessive of Sarah Jane is because that she she had good instincts and she could smell bad writing from a mile off so you never gave her any and so she gave uh, you know, I'd say she gave 100%, I'd say she gave 110% in every single performance she ever gave. It didn't matter if she didn't like the script, she didn't like a line of dialogue or whatever. Once you talked it through and said, well, that's how it's going to be, she still gave it that 110%. There's never a point where you can listen to anything or watch anything that she's ever in and go, yeah, you can tell Liz didn't like this because she's, she's switched off from it." That just never happened. She's always... giving you everything she's got and everything she had was magnificent. She should have been a huge successful actress.
0: The full two and a half hour feature on Sarah Jane Smith Series 1 which also features Peter Angelides and David Bishop is available on audio and on
3: video at sirensofaudio.com and to anyone in Australia, you might like to know that the Sirens of Audio are bringing Janet Fielding to Brisbane, Sydney and Hobart in April. Details at janetfielding.sirensofaudio.com. The Sirens of Audio will be releasing a feature on Series 2 of Sarah Jane Smith, uh, featuring interviews with Jess Filder, writer David Bishop and producer John Ainsworth in the next month or two. And just go to bigfinish.com and type Back." into the search pane at the top to find the very first Sarah Jane Smith release, now only available on digital download. Any minute now, we'll be
0: drama-teasing you with the first 15 minutes of The Eighth Doctor, Time War,
3: cass. But first,
0: it's...
2: <laughs> the Randomoid Selectatron! <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. Well, it's pulled up a
0: good one this week, actually. Not that they're you make ever sound not good. Like, yeah, I, I, know, say, uh, I know, I realised that as I said last, it. But
3: last week's rubbish one. <laughs>
0: this one is a cracker, though. It's uh, Doctor Who, The Black Hole. Fraser Hines, Deborah Watling in uh, The Black Hole. written is by this Simon e. Gurria? Yes, yeah, it is. Features oh, wow. Rufus Hound and David Warner.
3: Wow, what's not to love? Pretty cool, mate. Um, um, yeah, let's, um, let's hear the trailer. It must be this special phenomenon. It's warping space and time! Coming soon from Big Finish Productions Doctor Who The Early Adventures The Black Hole
0: Must be a big spaceship, I mean all these people! I should think it's more a habitat than a ship. Oh, hi. what are those?
10: The doctor said it was a spatial phenomenon.
5: Aye, a big and heavy phenomenon. Ph- 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 what are those? By my calculations, it's also very close, uh, within an astronomical unit of where we're standing. I think it's a black hole.
10: The remnant of an exploded star, they're small but extremely dense, so have a very strong gravitational field.
5: So strong, even light can't escape, which means you can't ever see one, well, directly.
7: This whole spiral arm of the galaxy is now in a mixed state. With just the slightest nudge, it will vanish in an instant. Doctor, success and saving these people depends on a precision flight
9: through extremely warping space-time.
3: Can you do it? Big finish. We love stories.
9: We don't have any other choice.
3: Great cast, great people wonderful Rufus Hound as well oh brilliant bizarrely on the cast list it,
0: it although it has David Warner on the cover it doesn't actually have David Warner listed in the cast mm. so I don't know I can't remember off the top of my head what David Warner was
3: doing in this yeah that's interesting isn't it I, I hope he turns I should... it up for
0: like one line like like as a passerby just says excuse me so David Warner was in this he said excuse me we'll put that on the cover
3: Well, um, I will check that out That may be a fault Uh, Ah, 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 aha, aha What, go on
0: Says narrated by David Warner Under production credits Does
3: it? How bizarre
0: There we go Isn't that weird? That that's... That is strange, isn't it? Done in a very strange way But we got to the bottom of it
3: Yes There's also a character called... Commander, do you think it's Commander or Commander? Commander Flail. Uh, That's a very good question. <laughs> good old Simon Guerrier. Now, listen, um, uh, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the BigFinish.com website. Benji, would you like to remind people how to get this incredible 25% discount in the style of Protect and Survive? It would be a pleasure, an actual pleasure.
0: Well, just go to BigFinish.com. Once you're on the website, go across to podcasts. There's a great website called barretthomes.co.uk but you can find out more about that later on. In this, scroll down under the picture of the two podcaster tiers and click read more. Once you have read more, it says just click here and enter the code BUCKUP. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that in and you may stand a chance of living through a nuclear blast. (laughs) If you don't, at least you would have got 25% off Doctor Who and the Black Hole. I've been Patrick Allen. Do check out Barrett Homes. Thank you. uh, uh, Barrett uh, Homes.co.uk has energy efficient brand new homes that could save you up to £2,600 per year on your energy bills. (laughs)
3: Just stop right there with the advertising. (laughs) Um, uh, Right. Anyway, thanks, Ran. <laughs> Another corker, I would say, even though it confused us a little bit. Next week's podcast features Class, uh, Secret Diary of a Rhodian Prince by Blair Mowat, and the next helping of our Torchwood Alton epic, Double Two by Guy Adams. But who knows what Benji and I will be chatting about next week? Any ideas? Yeah, the price of bananas. I'd
0: really like to know. Your task is you've got to visit a supermarket and write down the price of bananas. I'll do the same, and then we'll we'll cross-reference it. God, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah. we'll talk about. Fascinating. I know. Please, mm. can everybody write in with the, the price of fruit mm. at your your end? I want you. I want our, our big Finish podcast street team to be out there. Head to your green grocers. Ask your granny. Find out what is the price of a banana.
3: And you can be darn sure that a week after we've said what the price is, it will be (laughs) a lot more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. Well, thanks again to all of you for listening. Just time to say this. As usual, the Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. He also wrote, produced and
3: edited it. Mm, And both Benji and I did this
0: for the love love of
3: stories. stories. In the house. In the house. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, The Eighth Doctor, Time War, Cass. Meanwhile, Elsewhere, by Tim Foley.
6: Maybe beside the hypostatic temporal incursion. Well, those are those the original lyrics? Remember well, when I sang it on the music halls? Look at these readings. Yeah, those aren't good. Not good at all. This tropical paradise is going to be ripped to shreds within the next hour. Or maybe within the next minute.
2: Meanwhile, elsewhere. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Anyone?
8: Stars is happening! Oh Oh, no. No. No, 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 no!
2: no. Meanwhile, elsewhere... Good morning.
7: Kaz Formazzi.
2: Reporting
10: for duty.
7: You're early. We have a schedule on this ship. It's advisable to stick to it.
10: Sorry, sir. I'm just keen.
7: Oh, keen. I see.
10: Are you the vice?
7: You were warned about my sunny disposition, no doubt. Come on, keen bean. Quarters are this way. They're ever so cozy.
10: Sounds like you're gonna stick me in a cupboard.
7: We should be so lucky. Cupboard's full of useful things.
10: She's a beauty, isn't she? I've always loved the dispatchers.
7: Shuttle buff, are you?
10: My brothers and I once rescued one of the Mini Sixties from the Scrapshaws.
7: Huh. How many brothers do you have?
10: Enough to man a whole flight deck.
7: Well, this isn't a Sixty. And she's certainly not Mini. With this ship, you're gonna be witness to a rare transition. Before your very eyes, this ship will demonstrate the ever-diminishing threshold between vintage and obsolete.
10: Pure poetry, Vice.
7: Is this your first commission?
10: Absolutely. <laughs>
7: And you plumped for errand class. Didn't fancy your chances on a gunship? Not my thing. Sure. A young thing like you. Spoiling for a fight. What do you mean? What do you mean, sir? I saw you last night, in the homestead.
10: Uh, Me, sir? Uh, Surely not, sir.
7: I thought you might be proud, taking out a Martian with a pool cue. It was quite the display.
10: Maybe it was me then.
7: Though you're undoubtedly aware that drinking on the eve of departure is against every rule in the book.
10: Oh, maybe it wasn't.
7: Am I going to have to put you on report already for Matsy?
10: In my defence, sir, the Martian was a little bit pinchy.
7: Oh, and his two mates?
10: They were a little bit punchy.
7: You could spend a whole week in the brig for this.
10: So, what were you doing in the homestead, sir? (laughs) Excuse me? If you were there to see all that... I'm sure you couldn't have been drinking before departure, either.
7: Less of that cheek. I have my eye on you for Matsy. And here.
10: <sighs> so it is a cupboard.
7: They don't have bunk beds and cupboards.
10: What are the mops in the corner, then? An art installation?
7: Poetry recitals, gallery viewings. Who knew life aboard an errand class could be so cultured?
10: Let me know what deck the ballet's on, won't you? <laughs>
7: Sorry, Pester. Should have knocked. New roommate. Uh, He's bunking in here because it's terminal free. Keeps accidentally hacking into the mainframe, don't you, Sunshine? (coughs) I don't care if it is easier to charge from it. Can't have you knocking out our engine so you can get a good night's sleep. It's a string bearer.
10: On a dispatcher? How did you wangle that?
7: No wangling on this ship. Just good old-fashioned graft. Get some kip. We'll see you on dawn shift.
10: Hmm. Reckon the Vice and I are going to be best buds. Well, we will be at least. Pesta, wasn't it? I'm Cass. I'm so excited to be here. I've been saving up for a commission for years. Voyaging into the unknown. The myriad of wonders I'll see.
7: And how are you getting on with that cat sick?
10: Remind me why there's a cat on board, sir.
7: Can't get the blasted thing to leave, frankly. But Squidface is harmless enough.
10: Unusual name?
7: Unusual cat. And just in case we could ever forget about her, she leaves us those viscous reminders about the place. This'll be your first duty every morning till you're settled in.
10: <sighs> Wonderful.
7: I then move on to the stabilizers. Need to reset our ballast. Let's see how good an engineer you are.
10: Oh, I'm
7: very good. Vice out. <sighs> Gonna have lots of fun with our new recruit, Captain. Captain? What's that? Kaz Formazzi, the first grade engineer. <sighs> don't challenge her to a game of pool, that's all I'm saying. You okay, sir? Looking a wee bit peely-wally, if you don't mind me saying. Should have disembarked, settled your nerves. You, you checked my food supplies? Yes, Captain, and nothing's wrong with them. I'm telling you, sir, it must have been a bad dream. Look, look at these reports. Stanley mentions an icy blast by the engine. Trisk
8: reports sand in the mess hall.
7: Drafts and dust, business as usual in a bucket like this. You don't seriously think it's connected to your... your...
6: Oh,
8: delusions.
7: Your experiences, sir. There it is again. More unexplained activity. No need for the heebie-jeebies. There must be a source. Uh, A vessel we can't see.
10: Right, that's one viscous reminder we can safely forget about. Hello? Squidface? Is that you? Hmm. Isle is full of noises Clearly
2: oh. Oh, Come on, come on What is all this? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold this lever, will you? Uh, Alright Oh wow, it's heavy You're propping up a wonky bit of the vortex hmm? I'm what now? Think of yourself as a temporal atlas <sighs> Hang on Were you here just now? I thought I saw... Oh dear, this is bad. Who are you? What's all this equipment? I never travel light, but now these incursions have started to... Look, you're not going to understand any of this. You're the the passenger, aren't you? I saw you on the manifest. Did you really? How interesting. Yes, that's me, and this area's off-limits to crew, but... Don't worry. I like to pry too. Hieronym a friend. Casper Matzi. Uh, I I can't shake your hand. I'm sorry. Oh, you can let go of that now.
10: Uh, Why? Is it fixed?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not in the slightest. Can you take this to the flight deck? What is it? Something to stop the ship from crashing. Chop, chop!
7: Move alert. That's perturbing. Anything flagging on your panel? Uh, Just... Keeping her steady. She doesn't want to be steady, does she? Seems like the stabilizers are... The stabilizers? Hang on, better check the readout. I think I know who's behind all this. Anything you want to tell me for Maxie?
10: Yeah, actually, I'm joining you on the flight deck.
7: If you're coming to apologize for wrecking the ship, I'd much rather you fix it first. What? That's one heck of a first impression to make, but who am I to judge? Oh yes, the ship's vice, that's who.
10: This isn't my fault!
7: The stabilizers are out of whack!
10: I haven't even started on them yet!
7: Incompetent or slow, which one's it to be?
10: If you just... I've got something for you, from the passenger, friend. Sorry? And I've no idea what it is, but she seems to think it'll help, so... Right. I know a lot about dispatches, and I'm pretty sure there isn't a forest in the third aft corridor. Vice? Okay, no comms. And the doors won't... Raining. How is it raining indoors? Hello? Anyone? This is ridiculous. What's this? Someone in there?
5: No, but there's someone out here. Wouldn't have to be a wood nymph, would you? Sorry? Apparently they should be all over the place. Long flowing hair, a strange day's look in their eyes. I think we may have met a few at Woodstock.
10: I'm Fomatsi. Cass. First grade, first day, first time in the forest on a ship. What ship? If this is an illegal oxygen factory, they've really let it... Hang on. What do you mean, what ship?
5: Never mind. Nice jacket. The inscription. Guessing EC141 isn't your nickname.
10: Why aren't you wearing your jacket? Regs when you're on board, surely.
5: Or even on a nice day like this? Oh, there's a lake nearby. Maybe we could go skinny dipping.
10: Uh, Lake? Has there been some sort of a leak? Is that what the rain... It's, it's not a burst piper or anything. It's, it's like we've actually landed.
5: Oh, the lake's a beauty. Got fish as big as men. But, oh, just to warn you, they really hate wood nymphs.
10: I, I don't... I was just, um... What is this place? I'll show you. No, I need to find a way out. The ship, it's maybe through there.
5: Well, what's wrong with the ship?
10: Something major, clearly. If I can just step from the corridor into all this... I mean, aren't you worried?
5: You clearly are.
10: Well, don't tell me it's normal. What position are you? Are you even part of the... there?
5: Oh, a door just standing in the middle of the forest.
10: I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's no corridor behind it. But there is when it's open. After you, then. I'm not out of the woods yet. Are you following me or... Where did the forest... Ice?
7: We lost you back there.
10: I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm losing it, yeah.
7: Didn't just step onto a beach, did you? Or in a tunnel of ice?
10: No, it was a... a woodland.
7: Not even done a full shift and already you're taking leave.
10: Permission to speak frankly, sir? What the hell is
7: going on? Not a clue, but I've just been getting some very weird reports across the ship. If you're coming, come quickly. We could probably use a shuttle buff up here. Vice out. Oh, you an apology, Captain. Had about a dozen messages. Experiences all similar to yours. If there really are hallucinogens in the rations, we need to... Captain? I, I, I can't... can't focus. Captain, if you're not well, you should relinquish primary.
8: Maybe I can take a break.
7: Oh, Oh, all right, I've got you. Come on, let's get you in your berth. (laughs) Ignore it. We'll focus on the... (laughs) Uh, Captain? Uh. (sighs) Wow, sir. You're heavier than you look.
10: Just a few more corridors...
7: Med team are on the way, but if you pass a first aid kit,
10: grab it. All the med points I passed are empty. Ah, a heap of junk. What's wrong? Are you hurt?
7: Not me. Our captain. Some kind of space sickness. He's burning up. And now the autopilot's giving up. I need to take over. If you manage to get here early again, you'll no hear me complaining.
10: I'll hold you to that.
7: Uh, you mop his brow. I'll grab the controls.
10: I can fly us?
7: Uh, sure you could, Keen Bean, but it's bio locked to fifth grades.
10: Then take this.
7: Huh? What is it?
10: No idea, but the passenger, friend, she said it would stop the ship from crashing.
7: That's strange.
10: I thought so too, but she's very persuasive.
7: Uh, no, I mean, we haven't got a passenger.
2: Oh, please, 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 please plug the slider in soon. I really don't want to die today.
5: That makes two of us.
2: Oh, I'm getting all the visitors today. Who are you?
5: Someone who can help. Is that a quantum phasic analyzer? It should not be glowing that color. You a time traveler? Depends who's asking.
2: Someone who could use one.
10: (laughs) He's boiling now.
1: Hang on.